0: Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, Xbox. I'm said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of March 4th, 2021, including the Fortnite guys bought the Fall Guys guys, the next Need for Speed is on hold to help Battlefield 6 get out the door, another Left 4 Dead revival game is coming this year, and more. This week, I want to start straight off by going right into a piece of news that I want to just address. From late last week, kind of early this week, I think it was late last week. But Drew Murray, who famously from Insomniac Games, a uh, really important figure behind the Resistance franchise, uh, worked on Ratchet and Clank games, but also Sunset Overdrive and Resistance. You know, those were his two big you know projects that he worked on um, over at, at Insomniac uh, recently. Left Insomniac to go and work at the division or to go and work at the initiative when that studio was formed at Microsoft. Well, this past week or you know, late last week, he announced after leaving the initiative a couple weeks ago that he's now rejoined Insomniac. So, this is an interesting development because you know, when the news broke that he was leaving the initiative to begin with about a month ago or whenever it was, you know it was largely assumed or kind of by the way he it, that it was like a personal reason, maybe something in the family going on um, that was just drawing his attention away from work. And so a lot of how I approached that story was like, Hey, let's not really like think too much about this because if this really is something personal that's going on in his life, I don't want to sit here and just like, you know, for your entertainment and your amusement, just kind of guess what awful event is going on in his personal life that would cause him to have to, leave you know a dream job at the door so that's kind of why I left that so vague there but now that he kind of really quickly left the initiative and then went back to Insomniac I'm I'm kind of here wondering you know not to not to play down whatever it was he was going through or whatever it was in his life that had happened but it's it sure is a curious you know happenstance that's like he left the initiative and then immediately went back to Sony back to Insomniac back to where he you know came from and you know that's a that's a great get for insomniac because they're a great studio he was a great piece of the puzzle there i'm sure you know that's all well and good for insomniac which is a developer i often you know say on the show how much i love and adore but that's a massive massive blow for the initiative for xbox uh just in general and it really makes you wonder what the hell is going on at the initiative that you know he may have you know, this could be as you know simple as you know he thought he was ready to take on a new project. Microsoft was going to give him a really big role at this new quadruple A studio, as Phil Spencer refers to it as, and and he really wanted that opportunity to do something new, to do something different, to take on a bigger role, to work in a new studio, you know, to to flex his muscles and his creative talents in new ways, but. And then he leaves that to come back, it makes you wonder, like, did he just come to the realization that that wasn't really what he wanted and that he was actually kind of happy where he was and he wanted to go back to that familiarity and that place of home and, you know, kind of where Insomniac is kind of where he got really his start and and where he did, you know, his his main resume work, if you will. So, you know, there is that, that potential simple explanation that he's just like, you know, I left, I thought this is what I wanted, I realized Insomniac is home and I got it, you know, that's where I want to be, that's where my heart is. Totally possible, right? But then there's the other interpretation, which is like, is there something going on at the initiative? Is this like some Microsoft just threw a bunch of fucking money at a problem they had and said, let's put a studio together, throw a bunch of money at the wall, get all the big talent together and see what happens. And what ended up happening was it's like, you know, you got all the sizzle, but no steak. You got a bunch of money together. You got a bunch of creative talent together, but you don't have a good kind of direction for the studio or is is this like old microsoft who is micromanaging the studio or is this like new microsoft that's so hands-off and and laissez-faire with the studio that maybe the studio is given too much freedom to kind of go ahead and do something that's maybe not all that beneficial to the platform like what is this just has all this implication this this move has all this implication of what is going on at the initiative is there something is there a bigger story here because keep in mind drew murray had a huge role at the studio so his, his role role, the initiative was lead designer, and he was one of the earliest employees who joined onto the studio. So the fact that he's one a big name, two he had a big position there, and and three he showed up in that perfect dark announcement teaser, just tells you like what an important role he played in the studio. So it's like he kind of helped get this studio off the ground and helped you know shepherd it from nothing to whatever it is right now, and then just left a, a really interesting time right after they finally announced what it is they've been working on these past few years you know since their formation so it's just a really curious situation to see that he helped build this studio from nothing he left it you know the studio announced that they were working on a reboot of a franchise that no one was asking to see come back and even though like a lot of us are curious to see what perfect dark is and 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 are optimistic about what it can deliver it is still this like weird situation of like okay really you got like all the best talent in games industry and and you're you're coining the term quadruple a studio and what you want to do is go back and reimagine the perfect dark franchise that kind of somewhat now obscure you know shooter franchise from rare that was like only relevant in like the N64 days and then had a kind of rough sequel for Xbox 360. It was all forgotten launch games. Like that's what you want to do. And now you have someone like Drew Murray, who's just absolute key talent critical to the studio and he leaves to go back to insomniac. And I, I don't know. It's just one of those things where this is, I don't want to like, like just stir a panic or like kind of will some, some story into existence here that may not be here, but this is something that makes me a little apprehensive about what this studio is and what they're working on and what they can produce. And if this, if it comes to fruition or if it, it turns to it turns out to be true that the initiative's in somewhat, you know, a bit of trouble, and that's why Drew didn't want to be there and he wasn't passionate about the project they're working on or like the the game they're working on isn't something that the people there really think they can. Do anything super groundbreaking or industry leading with, then that's a, that's, you know, and that's all hypothetical, of course, but that would be a massive problem for Xbox because the whole point of the initiative is to say, we want our Naughty Dog, we want our Sony Santa Monica, we want our AAA. You know, games media, fucking like Oscar winning, tear jerking, uh, game award winning franchise that everyone just constantly jerks their little wieners to every time we say the name of. They want their Last of Us. They want their Uncharted. They want their God of War. That's the whole point of the initiative. So it's already a bit of an interesting situation that's like, oh, really? You're making perfect dark? Oh, okay. I mean, keep in mind, Sony Santa, Sony Santa Monica made God of War Forever, which was a really highly beloved and highly regarded game, but God of War was never, you know, like the cinematic storytelling masterpiece that it is now before they kind of soft rebooted it. So even though I would I would say, you know, any incarnation of God of War is significantly more regarded and respected than any incarnation of Perfect Dark, there is this somewhat loose analog of like, you know, y- or this this kind of loose, Potential of like, you could take this franchise that's kind of known as being like a romp or a fun like action game and turn it into something more serious and reimagine it into something greater than it was. So, I'm not trying to say because they're working on Perfect Dark, the potential isn't there, but it's just an interesting kind of setup we have here we don't know much about the studio they've been a while for around for a couple of years now they're working on perfect dark of all things phil spencer calls him a quadruple a studio they get massive key talent including the likes of drew murray and then he leaves to go back to the studio he was at before and it's just this combination this little you know this little somewhat uncorrelated potentially really highly interconnected uh chain of events here just leaves me a little bit apprehensive about what it is the initiative's working on and what it is they're going to deliver and obviously we won't know shit until you know we we play this game and you know at the very least we won't know more until we see what perfect dark is in action once we see like a e3 type game reveal gameplay demo thing but i mean this is just uh i don't know i i've now in my head bumped the initiative from i can't fucking wait to see what this team delivers to I'm a little apprehensive about what they are. Like if we're lucky, they'll be like the coalition or 343 tier studio, but I'm not holding my breath on that. And that's, you know, that's not a fun position to be thinking about a studio that's, you know, poised and intended to be the cream of the crop, like the very best that the industry has to offer. So I just want to start off with that story, you know, and not to be totally negative. First of all, congrats to Drew Murray on the move back to Activision. I hope he's really happy there. Um, like I said. Insomniac, one of the great de- game developers of all time. I'm sure they're thrilled to have Drew back into the fold. But for us on Team Xbox, for the initiative, uh, you know, this is this is a little bit of a of like a question mark situation. We'll have to see how this plays out. So I definitely want to open the show with that this week. Now another like little correction thing or something I wanted to preface and address before we jump into the normal run of show is I noticed li- <laughs> last week after I hit the 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 stop button stop recording after the week. I I looked back on the episode and I was a little disappointed with myself and what I had produced last, last week because one, I don't think, you know, last week, you know, I, I, I did the whole joke that it was a very political episode. There were a lot of stories that coincidentally had some kind of political tie to it. And, I thought to myself after I was done, I was like, a lot of that felt very ranting, rumbly, rambly, rambly um, without like proper research and, and a well prepared argument behind it. And I just wasn't super thrilled with how that episode turned out. I felt like it was really heavy in the comments, and then a lot of rambling about some stories I didn't, you know, really fully verse myself in. So first of all, I just want to say I, I noticed the, the comment section this week is significantly lighter than usual, and I I just can't help but feel like. You know, because even I myself, before the show went live, felt like I had produced a less than, you know, stellar show, a, a, a quality of show that was a little lower than what it normally is. Um, You know, I was somewhat unhappy with it, and then just the lack of kind of response, I took that as maybe it was a little more palpable uh, than I thought. So if you were in some way, shape, or form put off a little bit by last week's episode, I just want to say I'm sorry, not really for whatever it is my opinions were, because that's just my opinions, it is what it is, but more so for just a... I don't know, it just didn't feel like a very Xbox On episode. It was a little more serious in tone. I think it was a little less elegantly put together in, in in things like that so I just want to say you know I'm sorry if last week's episode was a little too opinionated or political or just not overall fun I mean I think I think the thing that makes people actually listen to the show is that it's supposed to be fun so if it's not being fun then it's not doing it serving its purpose so sorry for that I want to just point that out, make that correction, and let you know this week's episode. Let's think of it as a soft reboot. Let's think of this as the God of War 2018 of Xbox on. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna redo things. Now it's gonna be all about the video games and the comments again. We're not gonna get all too political unless the story calls for it. But it, even if it does, I would like to have myself be a little more prepared with my arguments, my thoughts, and my facts before I just go emotionally spilling out how I hate Kotaku. Even though I do, I do hate Kotaku. I really do think those guys are as fucking lame as it gets. But, you know, anyway, so let's just uh, let's no. with that said, jump into two little stories that I want to address at the top of the show that much like last week and in, in previous weeks that I would say, like, I don't know that these are technically new stories, but I want to address them as things that are happening that I, I know people are talking about in the world of Xbox, but I don't really think there's much of a story here. The first one is that Halo Infinite drop from last week with all the new info that stuff's like really nitty gritty those those monthly drops 343 is doing about halo infinite they're fun for me to read and i know a lot of halo fans enjoy them but they're very nitty gritty kind of nerdy things like for example if, if there's like an update in destiny 2 like there was an update this past week that changes reverses some kind of policy that a lot of destiny i, I like destiny and i don't even know what the fuck it's about but like it, it reverses some kind of policy or thing in the game that a lot of fans weren't, like, happy about, the, the, there's a certain threshold of, like, is this just general relevant, is this just relevant general video game news, or is this, like, nitty-gritty too specific for the show, and, you know, stories like that Destiny story kind of teeter the line of, like, okay, well, you know, if it was news like Destiny's getting a new expansion, or Destiny's cross in three months, you know, like that's podcast news. But if it's like, Oh, destiny is uh, updating to change the uh, layout of the menu and, uh, adjust this, the, the balancing of this one weapon. I'm like, okay, you know, that's like news for destiny diehards. That's not like general Xbox news. So, this, these kind of Halo updates are in that like nitty gritty. It, it's hard because Halo is obviously the biggest Xbox franchise, but at the same time, these updates are almost too specific and too nitty gritty for it to really be like, oh, hey guys, uh, here's the launch date of Halo Infinite or here's the new gameplay reveal for Halo Infinite. It's more like, all right, guys, here's what one developer said, his approach to, um, vehicle art design was for Halo Infinite. It's like, okay, we're not going to really get into that on Xbox On, even though it is Halo news. So there was a big info drop on... On Halo Infinite this week, and, and much of it wasn't really like as I was just trying to explain, like general Xbox related news. Um, but they did release a bunch of new images and screenshots of the game, which a lot of people were circulating, getting really pumped about. And yeah, I gotta admit, you know, I I thought the screenshots look great. The the game looks visually stunning. But a couple things to keep in mind. First of all, these pictures were taken from a PC build of the game. First of all, second of all, these are obviously you know just still images compared to you know what we saw last. Last summer when the game was revealed, which was actual gameplay footage for better or for worse. So I, I saw a lot of people kind of touting this as like, wow, look at what a big improvement they've made since the gameplay reveal from last summer. They're really turning the ship around. This game's really going to be everything we want it to be and more. And hey, I'm, I'm hoping that's true. And I'm sure to at least a large visual extent, that is true, because I'm sure 343 is incredibly embarrassed about how that game was shown off, and now really has something to prove, and I'm sure a lot of this whole, like, full year delay has to do with making the game as visually stunning as possible, so they can kind of prove people wrong about where they fucked up the first time they showed the game, so I'm sure that is the case, but I, I want to just, you know, take a step back and be like, all right, guys, keep in mind, we're seeing image stills of a, of a, of an earlier version of the game, or, like, a build of the game running on high-end spec PCs for developing video games. This isn't the game running in action on an Xbox Series X. So, like, keep in mind, it's not an apples-to-apples comparison to be like, look how far they've come based on these screenshots when compared to the actual gameplay footage we saw running on an Xbox Series X back in whenever it was, July last year, August last year. So I just want to make that distinction real quick. I feel like a lot of people are just getting super hyped on these pictures. and, And trust me, I saw these pictures and got really excited based on what we saw as well but again it's like I don't think this is enough of a showing to really be like wow guys they really answered all of our concerns and and questions and comments we had from the initial reveal and they really made this game go from a shitty 2 out of 10 to a 11 out of 10 because you know that's how we act about games is there's only really really awesome shit and really really bad stuff and there's nothing in between so I just want to point out Maybe slow down your roll a little bit. And then the last one I want to get to before we jump into the comments and everything is this story that's been circulating um, this week that was reported by Bloomberg about the new Dragon Age game. And they're basically saying that, you know, since Anthem Next is canceled and since everything's kind of... EA's putting the emphasis again on letting their teams do single player, that the new Dragon Age game that's just been in development for fucking ever is apparently like confirmed to now be a single player RPG game and not an open world or a shared world or a games as a service type game and sure maybe that is something that they were planning on doing with the game but you know we've known this game's been coming for years and years and years and maybe they've had to rebuild it multiple times before in fact we know there was one time a few years ago where they did just scrap the game and restart from scratch but there was never any indication that the game was going going to be anything other than Another entry in the Dragon Age franchise, which is traditionally a single player, you know, narrative driven action RPG game. So I don't really understand the the point of this reporting that, like, it's basically when you really look at what they're saying here, they're saying the next Dragon Age is going to continue to be a Dragon Age game. It's like, I don't know, it's like reporting a story. It's like, hey, guys, um, just so you know, Gears of War six is going to be a third person cover based shooter um, that's. Mostly linear and and, and story driven. Uh, that's you know that's what we're reporting here. It's like, yeah, man, that's uh that's what fucking Gears of War is, man. Like, what do you, what do you want me to say about that? So that's just kind of why I don't think this is really news. News is because you know it's like I didn't I didn't think Gears of War six was gonna be a fucking you know like rhythm game. But thanks for letting me know it's not. I I guess Bloomberg. I really appreciate the honesty, but. Anyway, that's that's another story I've seen circulate a lot, but we're not going to really talk about it because I don't think it's really news to know that the next Dragon Age game is going to be a Dragon Age game, but I guess Stranger Things have happened, and EA does like to intervene a little too much with their studios, or sometimes they have in the past, so maybe maybe there is a precedent for why people would be concerned over that, but that's it for... These are little stories I wanted to knock out before we really get into the show. Now, with all that said, all those corrections, things I wanted to address beforehand out of the way. Let's jump into the regular run of the show, but starting with our comments. Now, oftentimes on the show, I complain that you guys don't you know leave the iTunes reviews, five stars, remember iTunes reviews. I don't really do and have enough research here to back up why this is important, but I know in the podcast in the world of podcasting, Apple iTunes reviews are seen as like the gold standard, the most important thing. My my guess is because Apple podcast services, Apple's podcast service is a, is a very popular podcast platform. And I know that like good reviews equals pushing your show up the search results and getting more eyes on your show. So I, I assume that's why people care so much about the reviews. But I just kind of ape that from other shows that are really like, hey, please review the show on iTunes. So I do often ask, please review the show on iTunes. And You know, I don't hold up my end of the bargain, which is, you know, acknowledging that people review the show on iTunes because I don't own any Apple devices anymore. I don't really go through the effort of checking, but that's kind of a lazy excuse that I don't own an Apple device because you can download iTunes on a Windows PC and check the fucking podcast reviews. So this week I decided to stop being a lazy asshole and I downloaded iTunes on my on my surface and I said, let's let's check out the Xbox on reviews. I was not going to lie, guys, I was a little nervous about what to see. I thought I was going to see maybe like three and a half stars, maybe some pretty mean and critical reviews. To my surprise, you know, we're not we're not breaking any records here, but we have an average rating of five stars based on 18 ratings. So thank you guys to, to all 18 of you over the past year and a half, two years who have left reviews on iTunes. Five stars is a, it's a pretty good rating. I'll, I'll take five out of five. So, you know, there's one person of the 18 at one point who left a one-star review and then the other 17 of the 18 people, over time, i have left five-star reviews. So thank you to the 17 of you who have uh, taken the time to leave a nice review or just rate the show. I appreciate that. And just to kind of shout out some people I'm going to pull, you know, it's been, there are large gaps of time where there are no reviews or comments. I just want to read this one comment that we got from Navin R. Johnson, who left a comment on November 5th, who titled the uh, comment, or the review rather, Fun to listen to with at least 23% of every episode being Xbox related. So his uh, comment reads, Some listeners might be put off by the format, but I urge you to give it a couple of episodes before deciding whether or not you are one of the killjoy stick-in-the-muds. The The rambling nature of the show, the discussions about fast food, and even Jesse's insane insistence that Pepsi is better than Coke all make me laugh several times each and every episode. Listen to something else for breaking Xbox news, but make sure to subscribe to the brilliant one-man podcast for his stream of consciousness with occasional mentions of Xbox. Seriously, this is good stuff. So I really appreciate that review. A little hurt here that my show wasn't worthy enough for the Xbox news, but you know, Hey, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. And it means I just uh, have more room for improvement. So I really do appreciate the honesty, the candor, uh, both the good and the bad of that comment. And, uh, I really appreciate you guys taking the time. For those of you who have to go to iTunes and rate it, hey, listen, this is an Xbox podcast. I get it. You know, if you if you chose an Xbox, it means you have a very next gen brain. It means you know Xbox better than PlayStation, better than Nintendo. So it's very likely that you don't have an Apple device or use iTunes regularly enough for you to review the show on iTunes. Because if you choose, if you're making really high level thought decisions like xbox over playstation chances are you're probably also making really like high brain activity decisions like uh, android over iphone or or pc over mac so it's highly probable that 99 of the audience out there isn't reviewing the show on itunes because you don't have itunes you don't have an apple device you're not in that ecosystem, so I'm going to use that as the excuse as to why we don't have more reviews, and just say thanks to all our really high-level, you know, next-gen-thinking, intense-brain-activity-level motherfuckers who listen to the show and leave these awesome-ass reviews, and you're so super cool, guys. The other thing I want to point out here on iTunes is, you know, someone left a comment last week, Mr. Gore444 left a, a comment titled, Mountain Dew Supremacy, And the comment reads, I lost my virginity to Jesse's voice. So I don't know how I feel about that, but nonetheless, thank you for writing in. Thank you for the comment and the rating. Now, with that said, we'll jump into our regular comment section, which like I mentioned at the top of the show, admittedly, (laughs) A little lighter than usual, but maybe that's a good thing. The show's been running a little long lately, so a little slimmer on comments. But I do appreciate anyone who did listen or comment or in any way, you know. And we'll we'll, we'll take the time. We'll sift through what we got here. We'll make the most of it. And actually, this is probably for the better because honestly, I've been putting way too many comments in every episode. So this will probably help pace this episode a little better. Uh, remember, if you want to ever comment in, you can get, go over to YouTube.com, look up Second Best Gaming. That's my YouTube page. Find the Xbox on playlist. Click on the latest episode. Leave a comment. Say really cool things like, uh, "Mountain Dew is really good at making Halloween flavors," and then you know, post those kinds of comments. They'll be around right the show. Or if you if you're a negative Nancy, if you're a bad guy, you leave you leave a really mean comment. You say something like, "Matchbox is cooler than Hot Wheel." I'm a little offended. Everyone's a little heated over it, but nonetheless, it's your comment. You're free to say what you want to say. I'll probably read it on the air anyway, so go ahead. Go over to YouTube.com, leave those reviews, and we'll talk about them next week. But for this week, OG Man Man is going to lead off our comments. He says, Jesse, I'm playing the Outriders demo right now. I think you mentioned it on your show a few weeks ago. Yes? Might have been another podcast. No, it it was me. Don't tell me you're listening to other podcasts, OG man. You say, anyways, this game fucking blows. So we're going to put a pin in that. We're going to get back to that. You say, in other news, though, you love to shit on Nintendo. I'm pretty hyped about the new Pokemon announcements today and the graphics, look, but the graphics do look like ass. Keep it up, man. Can't wait to listen next week. And then you say, update. Wow. Outriders menus look identical to Destiny. The gunplay feels horrible and the frame rate can't even hold 30. I can't fucking find the jump button. Like Jesus, who played this and said, oh yeah, this is a good game other people will love the shittier feeling destiny 10 years after the train uh, the hype train has sailed so OG man man I uh, prepare to fe- prepare to feel my controversial hot take because maybe we'll, we'll get into it a little early but what I've been playing this week is actually the outrider demo that's one of the things I've been playing this week anyway and I, I got to be honest with you, OG man. I, yes, I was the guy who mentioned Outriders a few weeks ago, and yes, I played the demo extensively this week, and my reporting, my my consensus is that outrider outriders is fucking awesome. I, I, I love Outriders actually. I'm really digging it. And you know, I, I want to put this into context when when I was starting to really take notice of what Outriders was and that was kind of imminent release, I was never looking at it as anything more than like, this is a fun popcorn flick. This is a fun romp, if you will. You know, the, 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 the terms we use in the Hollywood kind of world. This is going to be a fun game to just sit down, unplug your brain, shoot a couple bad guys, play with your friends, pl- like tune out. It's not going to be groundbreaking. It's not going to be innovative or anything like that. It's not going to be an amazing story or anything I'm just expecting it to be dumb fun which is you know kind of what people can developer people can fly have made in the past think about bullet storm which is admittedly a game I've never played but I've always wanted to try which just looks like a super fun slightly Duke Nukem slightly Gears of War slightly Doom kind of just shoot the fuck out of stuff arcade first person shooter game and that's kind of what Outriders is it's like let's make a destiny clone. Let's just make a, a shared world shooter, but do our kind of twists on it. And I think it's a really cool game. Like the, the characters are super like douchey and hate, hateable. Like, uh, like characters used to be in the old Xbox 360 days. Like every, every character is kind of like a dick and they're all like hard and mean to each other. And I love it. You know, and, and the the premise of the game is actually kind of fucking cool. It's like humanity destroyed, depleted the resources of Earth and and had to leave, and, and so they fled to this new planet that, that could sustain human life, and it's basically like Earth 2, but then they get there, and there's, like, these storms that happen and all these anomalies that, like, kill people and wipes up... It basically wipes out half of the population from these generation ships that go to this new planet, and then, like, you basically you know, you get involved in one of these storms and you get these kinds of powers and shit and then you get frozen in cryo and then you're awoken like 15 years later and it's like, holy fuck, like you were part of this like ground zero generation ship that came to this new planet and then you got frozen in time for years and years and years and then you come out and now there's like this civil war breaking out and you find out like moving to this planet was like just awful for humanity and and there's like all this war and these factions and everything. It's a pretty, in my opinion, like it's not like, oh, what a cool story, man, that's gonna, that's a real tearjerker, I'm gonna award a game of the year, it's no, it's no Last of Us by any stretch of the imagination, but it's cool, it's a really cool setup for a universe where you're like, I'm pretty interested in what's going on here, and this sounds like a good excuse for everyone to be walking around with heavy armor and guns shooting shit, like, I'm, I'm down for whatever this game is, and so the premise is pretty cool, the gunplay is awesome, it's, you're right, it's very much like a Destiny clone, it's, it's, unabashedly a destiny clone the menus are just like destiny the layout of the game the loot grind the mission structure it's very much like destiny except with the exception that i would say it's a lot more linear in terms of its storytelling and its mission structure so it's a lot easier to play as a single player game and enjoy from that perspective than destiny in my opinion but then again this is just you know the demo but yeah i think it's awesome if it it, it's like a third person cover-based shooter so it feels basically like destiny and gears of war just mashed into one project and I think it's a really fun game I'm I I went from like I'll I'll check it out I'm interested to like can't wait for this game to come out I'm going to buy day one and play the fuck out of it I think you know as someone who really loves Destiny and really enjoys that Destiny gameplay loop I'm excited to play this as a kind of like until we get more Destiny content this will satiate me so I think Outriders is awesome I'm sorry that you don't like it but it it looks like you know I joined the Outriders subreddit and I've been kind of checking the hashtags and things on Twitter just to kind of see what the general buzz is on the game, and it seems like a lot of people have a very similar take to me, which is like, this is not a groundbreaking game by any stretch of the imagination, nor was anyone expecting it to be, but it is a lot of fun, and it definitely fills, you know, it fills a void in this this current first half of the year where there aren't a lot of big new games coming out, so I think outriders is not only a pretty fun game but it's coming out at a pretty decent time where there's just not a lot happening and people are hungry for games on these new consoles that we just got we got our ps5s and our xbox series x's and we want to play cool games to justify the purchase of these 500 boxes and i think outriders you know while again it's not it's not halo infinite or anything but it it certainly is a fun game that's going to satiate a lot of a lot of that demand that people have right now. So I'm pretty excited. I I think this game has simply just over the course of the past week gone from this is DOA to potentially, you know, a nice little early year hit game that sells pretty decently, reviews all right, and people enjoy the hell out of it. So I, I really hope that is the case. And I think people can fly have made a pretty decent game here. I'm excited for the final product, but OG man, you are more than welcome to not enjoy it if it's not your thing, but I will say to your other comment here about Pokemon, yes, I do love this shit on Nintendo, and it's not just because I hate Nintendo, it's because I'm heartbroken by Nintendo. I, I've said many times on the show, I, I want to love Nintendo. Nintendo is someone who had my heart for a very long time and then ripped it and sh- tore it to shreds, and eventually I came to terms with the abusive relationship that I was in, and that's why I'm so bitter towards Nintendo is because they made me do this. They put me in this position. They brought me to this place. That's why I'm so hard on Nintendos, because I want them to be better, but they don't want to help themselves, so. I think my hatred for Nintendo is justified, but that being said, the new Pokemon games they announced, I think, look pretty badass. Like, I, I'm probably not going to play either of them, but the the idea of, like, a prequel that takes place in, like, the olden times in this new Pokemon universe, I think is pretty damn cool. It looks like a really fun concept for a game. Maybe a little derivative of Breath of the Wild, but nonetheless, I think I think it's a pretty cool idea for a game, so I'm I'm actually pretty high on, you know, just from a perspective of, like, appreciating what's going on in the industry. I think it's a pretty good win for the Nintendo Switch, and I think it's a pretty interesting looking game. So, uh, I'll be honest, that's cool. And then, the remake of Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, that tempts me a little bit, because... My, that's one of my favorite generations I have a really big soft spot for Pokemon Diamond in particular that's probably my second favorite Pokemon of all time so um, possibly my first favorite I don't know and I really love Piplup he's such a cute little penguin so I, I really loved that Pokemon game so the news that they're remaking that game has me very excited but knowing myself knowing how strapped I am for free time m- most of the time I probably won't actually play it but I think it is really cool that they're remaking it, and I'm excited for people to enjoy that. And then also they showed Pokemon Snap, but I'm not going to act like I really looked into that because I didn't, so I don't have anything to say on that front. But thank you, OG Man, for writing in. Look at that. We might make this an hour-long opening segment anyway. Wes H comes in and says, Down for community game night, but I probably won't show up. Okay, Wes, fucking badass, too cool for all of us. I got you. All right, I I might, you know, I'm down for... Hosting a podcast, but I might block your fucking IP address, Wes. How you like that? Anyway, thank you for the honesty. You say, after having played four Halo games... You know, uh, presumably Halo's 1, 2, 3, and 4. Maybe Halo 1, 2, 3, and Reach. Maybe Halo 1, 2, 3, and ODST. Well, I don't know what you're saying here, Wes. You say, after having played four Halo games... I assume you're just talking about 1 through 4. Halo 2 is the best. Sorry, Jesse. Damn it, you're just wrong. Alright, Wes, that's Strike 2. Also... Family had a big debate on who the best Star Wars character is and who is the most overrated Star Wars character, but the obvious answer, Obi-Wan, is the best. And Boba Fett is kind of lame to have all the hype. Someone had to say it. Well, Wes, let's address the Star Wars one first because it's the least controversial here, in my opinion, at least. Now, to say that Obi-Wan is the coolest character I think is a pretty fair choice. You know, this coming from the perspective of someone who knows enough about Star Wars to talk about it but is not a big fan, so I'm not super invested in this in this universe anyway, but I think Obi-Wan's a pretty fair choice for coolest character in the universe. Boba Fett being overrated, I can somewhat see that. I know the Mandalorian is not Boba Fett. Let me just preface with that. I get that. No one comment in and tell me that Boba Fett and The Mandalorian are separate characters. I understand that's the case, but they're both chrome, whatever the fuck that is, kind of people, and the hype about Baby Yoda and the insistence on just constantly spamming everyone's social media feeds and back bumpers with Baby Yoda all the time has driven me to the point where I fucking hate The Mandalorian as just a franchise. I won't even give the show a chance, and I know that ultimately means I'm just robbing myself of a good show, probably, because I'm sure it is a great show. But I fucking hate Baby Yoda, so I'm going to go ahead and say that Boba Fett is lame because Boba Fett reminds me of Mandalorian, and Mandalorian is Baby Yoda. So fuck all that stuff. So good response there. I I would say most overrated character, possibly Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker. Honestly, Luke Skywalker is probably the most overrated character. And the reason why I would say that is because, again, as someone who is more of like a fair weather or, like, moderate Star Wars fan, like, I'm, I, I don't know, like, I, I watch every movie that comes out, but I'm not super invested. I gotta say, Luke Skywalker is such an overrated character. Now, I'm not trying to downplay the emotional connection people have to that character because of their childhood or because the implication of, like, the kind of character that Luke is, you know, this kid from nowhere who came from this, like, planet and, and didn't have parents and just, like, you know, he was a fucking nobody finding out that he's the key to, like, restoring peace to the galaxy. I understand what a cool story it is and how kind of original it may have felt back in, like, the 70s and 80s, so I get why people like him, but the same, in the same token, if you watch every Star Wars movie, Luke Skywalker is kind of a fucking bitch. He's kind of underdeveloped. He's not really all that well-acted. He's just not that cool of a character. I think the legacy of Luke Skywalker and the implication of his story is a lot more intriguing and cool than the actual reality of who the character turned out to be. So I would say Han's uh, Luke Skywalker is definitely the most overrated, especially because in Last Jedi, I think they actually make Luke Skywalker incredibly interesting and likable. I love that they make it like this, he's this hero who saved the day, but now he's completely broken because he's grown up to be stuck in his old, old ways unable to confront you know his past his past decisions and the mistakes he's made and he's this incredibly broken and flawed character and they utilize the new cast to try and show that and then he has like this amazing redemption story where like he comes he he like finds peace with himself in the most badass way like that confrontation between luke skywalker and kylo ren and the end of last jedi and then when you know he like peacefully like goes like like dies and, and goes off into whatever it is, the nether realm or whatever the fuck it is that Jedi do. That is just like, again, as someone who's like kind of a moderate to not that big a Star Wars fan, I gotta say that is one of the coolest fucking scenes in cinema history. Dude, When I don't know. I was so mind-shocked. I was like so disgruntled to realize how much people hated Last Jedi because I think the way they handled Luke Skywalker in that movie is so fucking incredible. They made him go from such a lame character to such an interesting, compelling, and relatable, and and likable character. I was so invested in him, and I thought... I I love the idea, like, this character who's, like, so badass and so strong that he defeated Darth Vader, or, like, he was the one who restored peace to the galaxy. He's the one who put Palpatine, you know, between... He was the one who was able to turn Darth Vader, of all people, back to the light side and destroy Palpatine and restore peace to the galaxy. Like, that's a badass, strong character. And so the idea of, like, well, how do you kill off a character like that? Or how do you, how do you put a pin in that character's story? Like, what, what are you going to do? You're just going to have him die in battle like Obi-Wan? It's like, no, you need something grander for Luke Skywalker. And I think the way they handle his death is about as fucking cool as you could possibly handle it. It is the coolest fucking thing in the world the way he comes to terms with his own actions and the way he faces Kylo Ren after all these years and and just his way of like you can strike me down but it's only going to make me like a bigger presence in your life kind of relaying that like when you cause harm when you try to combat your issues and your problems and your angers and your fears with violence all that does is come back to haunt you and make your make your problems bigger and you know, just more pervasive in your life. I think that's the coolest fucking lesson, the coolest scene. It's so fucking awesome. But apparently that movie sucks because we got to hate everything that's cool and that's not just garbage fan service. So that's why I would say Luke Skywalker is the coolest character is because he has one really, really, really badass scene at the very end of his life. But otherwise, he's a pretty much throwaway kind of boring character. I think Last Jedi really writes all the interesting parts of Luke, in my opinion. But I know that's a controversial take. Now, I would say the coolest character... I don't really have one. Again, I I like the newer Star Wars a lot with the exception of Rise of Skywalker. I think Rise of Skywalker sucks. But I think Kylo Ren's a badass character. He's way cooler than Darth Vader because his thing's not about just being badass and intimidating. His thing's about being like a broken, flawed, dynamic character who's fighting this urge to do the right thing and be good and come to terms with the fact that what he does is wrong. And he's like forcing this you know, he's forcing himself to go down a path of being bad and doing the wrong thing because he's running away from the people who've hurt him. I think that's a way cooler character. It's a way more complex character and relatable character and likable character than someone like Darth Vader who's like, I know nothing about this guy. He's just really badass, and he, he can kill anyone he wants because he's so strong and badass. Like, that's cool. I get that. But I I to me, I, I relate better to the person who has, like, an emotional side than someone who's just like a robot. So I would say that. Otherwise, I think honestly this is a out of left field one. But I always thought General Grievous from uh, Episode Three was a pretty cool character. He's by no means like coolest character in the series, but shout out to General Grievous. He does not get enough screen time in the in the movies, but he is a pretty cool character. I think I think he's an underutilized but pretty badass character. Also, Qui Gon. I think everyone can admit Qui Gon a pretty cool character as well. But anyway, also. Finn's a badass character who's criminally underused and poorly just and absurdly poorly used in that franchise. But let's let's not get into Star Wars. As for your your take on Halo 2 being the best, that's your opinion, man, but you know, there are two things in this world. There are opinions and facts. Opinion: Halo 2 is the best Halo game. Fact: Halo 3 is the best Halo game. There, end of discussion. All right, my I think my mom, I think this might be another sherry or a spam account that that calls that goes by the name Sherry, which is my mom's name. So my mom possibly writes in, the Brits aren't exactly known for their cuisine, but Beef Wellington is one of their better recipes. What the fuck do you know about British people food? Because you ain't ever been outside of the goddamn US of A. What the hell are you talking about? That Yeah, but I mean, Beef Wellington is awesome. Shout out to Beef Wellington. Now, Lethal Migraine wants to comment into... My mother's comment and say, if you ever watch the TV show Hell's Kitchen, Jesse, Beef Wellington is always on Gordon Ramsay's menu. Well, I didn't know GR was such a big old Beef Wellington fan, Beef Welly fan. But uh, good to know that my my newfound love of Beef Wellington is well in line of uh, what GR would approve of, because as we all know, he is the man when it comes to the culinary world. EA's King wants to jump in here and say, congrats on guessing my nationality that I am already commenting, that I already commented on many episodes ago. EA's King, shut up. Sam Torres writes in and says, uh, Jesse, I'm going to say that you've butchered my comment worse than you got political. But from here on out, I'm just going to go to Food Talk, screw gaming. Portillo's is almost ready to open here in Orlando, so have a chocolate cake shake and get baked. Or game. Shit, I brought up gaming. All right, Sam Torres. First of all, I was I've been following Portillos coming to Florida for a very long time. Now I've known they've had a small presence in the Tampa area for a while, but I did not know I, I knew that they were supposed to be coming to Orlando, but I thought that was one of those like they just kept talking and talking about it. Now I knew it was coming to the the Vineland Road area part near like Disney and near like the Disney Springs area. Part of Kissimmee. So I, I knew this was happening in some form or fashion, but I thought due to COVID and everything that everything was just kind of up in the air. I I, I must admit, I've fallen off the, the Portillo's uh, tracker kind of hype train here. And I, I didn't realize that until you left this comment, Portillo's here in Orlando, Kissimmee, whatever, close to Disney, just opened up like a week ago. And I totally fucking missed this. So Sam, thank you for bringing this to my attention. I gotta go get to Portillo's. That's gotta be this weekend. I've gotta get there immediately. I had no clue that they were open now, and I've been waiting to eat at Portillo's for about a decade now, ever since I found out this place exists. And for those of you who don't know, Portillo's is a... I think they're from Chicago, but they have a pretty big presence in, like, uh, California now. But they're a Chicago-based chain of, like, hot dog restaurants. It's like, you know, you can get burgers and fries and other stuff there, shakes and chocolate cake and things like that. But, um... I mean, I mean, the thing they're famous for is like their Chicago style hot dogs. And I'm not a massive hot dog fan, but I've been talked in, I've been coerced into wanting to go to this place. And I've known about it for about a decade now. And I've really been hoping that one day I would get the chance to try it. So the fact that not only did I not have to make the trek out to Chicago or, or Southern California or whatever to have a Portillo's hot dog, but that Portillo's came to me, not just Tampa, which is an hour from me, but to Orlando, Kissimmee, Florida, which is. Where I live, which is 15 minutes from where I live or something like that, the fact that I can have a short drive to Portillo's, I can have, I can be in my boxers playing Destiny 2 uh, all Saturday and then within 20 minutes be from holding an Xbox controller playing Destiny to eating a Portillo's hot dog. The fact that that is a possibility now in my lifetime is blowing my mind and making me happy in ways I never knew were tangible and I'm really excited to get to Portillo's this weekend, so Sam, thank you for bringing this to my attention, I, I must get over there. Simply must, and um, keep on gaming. Now, Lethal Migraine jumps in and says, I went to Ghana for four weeks, then again for five weeks. I rented an executive apartment, quote-unquote, three bedroom, two bathroom, kitchen, living room, dining room, two balconies, in an apart- and in-apartment laundry. It was nice. I only mention all this to say that I agree with you, Jesse. Staying in someone else's house? Not for me. So, well, that is in regards to my comment last week about Airbnb being kind of a weird experience and like not knowing why people want to stay in other people's homes when the experience of staying in a hotel is such a nice and comforting and fun experience that I don't get like how we've had this culture shift to like let's stop staying in hotels, which is a fun experience in and of itself, and start trying to rent out people's spare bedrooms and apartments and shit for vacation. That doesn't very, it just doesn't sound nice. But thank you, Lethal Migraine. I want to mention not only. Do I appreciate your comment because it validates what I was trying to say about Airbnb, but more importantly, you agreed with me on something, and Lethal Migraine, no offense, I love you, I appreciate you being a longtime listener and supporting the show, but you almost never agree with me on anything, and you certainly almost never comment with anything positive, not sure this is a positive thing, but... It is a comment that is in agreement with me, and therefore I will take it as a positive thing to say, and I appreciate the change of tone on the on the show. Now, let's head into our, our last slew of comments. We got three left here. Count Scotula, you know him, you love him. You might even hate him, but you probably don't hate him. Uh, who, by the way, is going to be playing us out with some new music at the end of this day, today's episode, uh, commented and says, You know, I had a, some great Airbnb experiences, but some really awkward ones as well. Depending on the scenario, I do like having both options of Airbnb and a hotel or a hotel. Community game night, I'm so behind. See, Wes, that's how you do it. Like Count Skylar. Count Skylar doesn't have to show up to community game night, but he says, I'm so behind. Uh, I don't think that means like I'm so behind on supporting. I think that means like I'm so behind the idea of this. So you see, Count Skyla, he could show up, he could not show up. That's, That's his decision. But he says, I'm so behind, which suggests that I would show up. And I'm not asking you to actually show up. I'm asking you to tell me you would show up so I can at least feel like you care. I can at least feel like you want to be there. So thank you, Count Skyla, for being... Twice the man West will ever be, and continuing on, you say, I played Halo Combat Evolved in Halo 2 around their release. They were great, but I played a bunch of local only until much later, so it never felt super special. Halo 3, that's when my eyes were open to online gaming. That first online match I played at 1.15am on launch night with a handful of buddies was a surreal experience. Everyone had a mic and no idea what the hell they were doing. It was a it was the wild west of gaming. That feeling has never been quite fully recaptured for me, but but Halo 3 with the modernization it got from Master Chief Collection does hold up well. I'm actually really excited to play these new Halo online maps. Count Skyla, I think I think this is really a nice accompaniment to what I was trying to say about, you know, how like people like to retroactively give Combat Evolved all this credit, you know, for being the Halo that, you know, is everyone's favorite, that changed everyone's life forever. But like Everyone has a different favorite Halo and we can't all just pretend that like Halo Combat Evolved is like the, you know, the OG that can't just pretend that Combat Evolved is to Halo what like, you know, Legend of Zelda is to Breath of the Wild. So it's just one of those weird things where like I feel like suddenly everyone's rewriting history saying that Combat Evolved is like the first open world game they played or some weird bullshit. It's just not true. Halo. Yes, it's big sandbox levels, but like Combat Evolved is a linear story based first person shooter Let's not like lie about what it is so we can like string together this narrative of what we want Infinite to be or what Infinite's supposed to be. So that was kind of what the point I was trying to make last week. But I think what Count Skyless says here really encapsulates what I was trying to say much better than what I was actually saying, which is that yeah, I actually have a similar experience here where I played Combat Evolved in Halo 2 kind of around the time they were relevant and newish but I I didn't really, I played a little bit of Halo 2 online, but I didn't have total access to it online, so I didn't play too much of it online, but I'm just like you, Count Scott where like Halo 3 was the game where it was like, you know, I had played online games before, a little bit here and there, some Unreal Tournament, and some things like that, but like Halo 3 was the game that was like, are you ready to leave behind the world of gaming the way you know it, and to enter a new realm where like you're always connected to the internet playing online with people and just I, I always I'll never forget like Halo 3 came out the same day that my friends uh, my friend in sixth grade his name is, his name is Chris. Uh, Chris had a birthday, and so that weekend after Halo Three came out, we had a massive birthday party at my friend Chris's house. And I remember he got Halo Three on his 360, and everyone that came over had Halo Three on on their you know back at their place. So everyone had like a day or two of experience with the game. We we're all like like familiar a little bit with like the mechanics and the maps and the layout and the kind of feel of the game, but we were all very very new and fresh to the game. And so like we brought we just we just were in my friend's basement on his birthday. And we stayed up all fucking night, just Domino Pizza, Domino's Pizza and Coca-Cola everywhere. It was a fucking mess. Sixth graders everywhere. And we just stayed up all fucking night, like till like two or three AM or whatever for sixth graders, just playing Halo 3, just flexing on each other, trying to show off who got the most skill in the past two days or whatever it was that this game had been out. And and just like showing each other up and exploring this game together and playing the fuck out of it. And it was this, it was this moment I was just like. I didn't know gaming could be like this. I didn't know gaming could feel like such a communal and social experience. Like, I, to me, it was like the social experience of gaming was like playing couch co-op with your brother or your friend or something like that. But it's like if playing co-op or local split-screen multiplayer felt like, you know, hanging out with a friend or two, taking Halo 3 and going online and, and playing with friends and having LAN parties and things like that felt like Going from like you and a friend or two hanging out at the mall to like going to a fucking house party, it was like that level of increase in terms of like social interaction and communal engagement, and just jumping onto Halo Three Online was. I I agree with you. It's exact exactly as you put it, Count Scylla. There will never be another experience like that again. You know, you could release the greatest online multiplayer game tomorrow, and no matter how great that game is. It will never change the fact that I've already experienced online gaming for the first time in this way. In this way of like, I'm hooked on this. This is an experience I want to have time and time again. This is a fun social environment I want to hang out with my friends in. So Halo 3 was that game for me, much like it was for you. And I, I don't know. To me, it's like, aside from the fact that I think it has like the coolest story of the, of the Halo games, and that it has the best level design of the Halo games, I think also just the the communal aspect that the the multiplayer the online functionality the whole experience like that game defined Xbox 360 for me it's uh I just don't see how Halo Halo Three is anything but the best Halo game so count Skyla, thank you for making good on all of Wes's mistakes here by not agreeing with me 100% remember I'm not looking for people with own their own original thoughts and ideas I'm looking for people who echo what I'm saying so I appreciate you being in agreement with me on that now mr miggy comes in with our penultimate comment of the week to say the xbox wireless headset was available for a while at best buy laughing emoji although i think i just i think it just recently sold out but i see that they have the series s in stock okay mr miggy i don't know what fucking planet you're living on but the xbox wireless headset has been sold out all the time everywhere as soon as like since the second it went live for pre-orders, so I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm glad you were able to get one, I'm glad life has been good to you, Uh, but don't laugh at my misery, I still don't have one of those pre-orders locked in, so I'm going to be a fucking peasant, using my 7 year old Turtle Beach wired headset, uh, while I wait for an opportunity to get this Xbox wireless headset. So don't, don't laugh at my pain, okay? Now, you say Cold War broke your heart when they removed Prop Hunt. Well, you know why they removed Prop Hunt from the multiplayer matchmaking list? No, it wasn't because it wasn't very popular and they had new modes introduced. It was because, actually, uh, you got the wireless headset pre-order and I didn't and now you're laughing at my pain. So, I told on Activision, and Activision went over to Treyarch and said, hey, uh, take care of this. I don't want to deal with this. And Treyarch was like, okay, Jesse, how would you like us to discipline Mr. Miggy? And I said, uh, "Why?" Don't why don't you take away Prop Hunt? He seems to like that game mode. And uh, fuck him because he was laughing at, at at the fact that I couldn't get a new Xbox wireless headset. And Treyarch was like, oh my god, Jesse, we're really sorry about that. Well, guess what? We're going to take out Prop Hunt from the game right now just to piss off Mr. Miggy. Also, here are 20 V-Bucks, so go buy yourself some Fortnite skins. And I said, I said thank you, Treyarch. And tell Activision, I said, thank you, too. And so, Mr. Miggy, that's what happened. So, also... Mr. Mickey, you want to round out your comment here with a very, a comment that's like, this is this is like playing the system, this this bait here. It's like, it, it, let's pretend Xbox On is a show that gets like 200 comments a week and I have to pick and choose who gets read and who doesn't. This is how you play the system and ensure that you got read because this is the question you could ask me that makes me put your question above everyone else's. And, and what And here it is. You say, also, do you miss Windows Phone? <laughs> do I miss Windows Phone? Is the Pope Muslim? Yeah, I miss Windows Phone. Are you fucking kidding me? You say, I saw a video recently of Windows 10X running on Illumia 950, and it makes me want Windows Phone to be a thing again. Well, Mr. Miggy, I saw that same video of someone who got Windows 10X running on Illumia 950, and it, it. for those of you who are stupid and buy iPhone or Android instead of Windows Phone because God hates you and you have a Tiny Wiener, Windows 10X is a new version of Windows that's in development, it's not really publicly out yet, but it's basically like Windows, it's like a simplified version of Windows, basically compete with like iPad OS and Chrome OS, it's not out yet, but in in the Lumia 950 is the last Microsoft made Windows phone, that ever was released, it came out in the fall of 2015, that was the last time we got a Microsoft made Windows phone, before uh, they pulled the plug on Windows phone altogether, so rest in peace Lumia 950, you're beautiful, and I still pick mine up every now and then, just to turn on and, and reminisce, but yeah, I saw that video of someone who got 10X running on Illumia. And remember, I my current phone is the Surface Duo, the, the Microsoft phone, dual-screen phone that runs Android. And every day of my life, Mr. Miggy, I think about it. I say, I would love this phone so much more if it ran Windows 10X instead of Android. I don't give a shit if it means I have access to, like, one one-billionth of the apps that iPhone and Android users have. I don't care what it means I have to miss out on or suffer through. I wish this ran some version of Windows so fucking badly because I don't like Android. Like, I like Android enough to use it because it's really my only option, but I don't prefer Android, and it's so weird. You know, I've been using Surface devices for a long time, which are Microsoft's computer devices, and I love my Surface Pro. I use my Surface Pro every day. I'm recording this show on it right now. I love my Surface Pro. It's sleek. It's beautiful. It's it's innovative. It's fun, and there's new ways to use it that actually make me... Use my computer differently. Like, I actually benefit from the weird, quirky ways in which this device operates. It's not just a gimmick. Like, I really love Surface and I love Microsoft's recent hardware initiatives, but. It drives me nuts when I'm using my Surface Duo sometimes because it's such a cool piece of tech. I'm holding it right now. It's, it is a dual-screen phone that folds in half. I can open it up, there's a screen on each side It makes multitasking so easy. It makes using a phone so intuitive when you know someone texts you a link, you click on it, it opens up in a different window, so you're still in your chat conversation on one screen while you're doing whatever on the other screen. But none of that distracts from the fact that, at its core, I'm still running Android and not some version of Windows. And it feels so weird being in this relationship where you love the hardware, but you're indifferent towards the software. And it actually, rather than kind of like fulfilling the the void in my heart where Windows phone once was, it actually just kind of makes me even more upset to be like, Why is Microsoft making this amazing piece of hardware that doesn't run a Microsoft operating system? And I, and I get why we can't have windows phone because the market decided that there's not room for a third option and Microsoft didn't push hard enough to make it successful. I get it. But the fact of the matter is windows phone just was the best phone operating system. And you know, people who used it and had it know what what I'm talking about, but most people didn't use it. Most people didn't have it. So most people don't know because they got Android, they got iPhone. And it just hurts my heart every fucking day. I have a stash of my old Windows phones. I have a Lumia 1020. I have a Lumia 1520, which I will say the Lumia 1520 still to this day came out in 2013, July 2013. That phone came out. It is still the best phone ever made, period. Any manufacturer, any operating system, any era of phone, the Nokia Lumia 1520 is the greatest phone ever made, period. Period. I love that fucking device. But I got my Lumia 1520, my 1020. I've got my um, Lumia 860. That was like just a burner phone I bought when I thought I was going to be a drug runner, but I wasn't, just kidding. But it's a cheap Windows phone I bought to play around with. And I have my my Lumia 950 as well. So all, all four of my old Windows phones. And every now and then, and by every now and then, I mean like pretty much once a month, I will pull them all out of this drawer I keep them in. I will charge them all up, turn them all on, and just play around the OS, open an app, see what still works, see what doesn't, try to connect to Wi-Fi, see if there's an update for this, see if I can still take a picture on this. Is this still connected to OneDrive? Can I somehow sync photos from this phone over to my Google Drive somehow? Like, I, And I play around with them, and I reminisce, and every time I'm like, why did I do this? I am way more heartbroken and sad now that I played around with these phones than I would have been if I had just ignored the urge to play with them again. I miss Windows Phone so profoundly, it 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 like actually hurts. I miss like I, I've had I've been through like bad breakups and stuff in, in my life. And I got to be honest, I like I've I had I've had like a really rough breakup. And it's been long enough now that, you know, I look back on that breakup and it doesn't hurt me really at all, which is so weird to think about it. Because, you know, back in the day, that was like the most painful thing I'd ever gone through. And why do I bring that up? Well, I bring that up to say Windows Phone feels like a breakup, you know, knowing that Windows Phone is gone, it's this thing that I love, that I had, that I just assumed was forever, and then it was gone, but the thing about Windows Phone is, it's been a while now since Windows Phone went away, and I'm still not over it, it still hurts like every day, man, I fucking miss Windows Phone, I don't give a shit how lame and nerdy it sounds, I love Windows Phone, I try not to be that guy that's just out there on the internet shitting on Microsoft, constantly begging them to bring back Windows Phone. They're a company. I, I get why they make the decisions they have to make. I get why we don't have Windows Phone to this day. But that will never change the fact that it just breaks my heart. That, you know, I got Microsoft on my computer. I got Microsoft on my video game console. I'm loving their ecosystem. I'm loving their apps, their software, their operating system. I'm loving the whole, the whole thing. But then I reach in my pocket and I feel the Microsoft... And I whip that bad boy out, it's got two beautiful screens, it's fucking awesome, and it boom pops up this Android Google fucking operating system that I hate. I'm like, why the fuck is this the way things went? you know like what they say like why do good things happen? Why do bad things happen to good boys? you know like you know if God is real, why do kids get cancer? It's like one of those questions. It's like, if God's real, why does why does my Microsoft phone run Google's operating system. What a fucking weird world we live in. Microsoft, a software company, makes hardware that runs other people's software. That's the world we live in, and it breaks my heart, and I miss Windows Phone, and I'm choking up right now just thinking about it. And Mr. Miggy, that's what you've gotten done. You've turned this Xbox podcast into a big old therapy session, if you will, and here I am, spilling my heart out to you, reminiscing of what was and what will never be, and that is Windows Phone, so... Moment of silence to the Windows Phone. I'm going to insert in the arms of an angel right here. All right, and we're back for our final comment, which comes from Joe Murphy, who says, "I've been playing a few games, and I stop that. I'd stop playing, and then I don't come back, and then I don't go back to them. Then I start up a different game for a few days. Then I stop playing that game. I was wondering if this is normal. I've started about 16 different games now. By the way, I really like your show, and thank you for making them for us all to enjoy. Hope you're doing well, Joe. Thank you for Ryan. Thank you for your kind words, and I hope you're doing well also. I know it's a it's a weird world we live in where we don't have Windows Phones, so you know, how well can one be? But I do appreciate your kind words and you writing in. Joe, this is a great question and, and a great write-in because I think this is something we all go through, and it's something I'm kind of going through in a sense right now. Not not really, but I, I've definitely gone through this more to the extent of what you're talking about, where it's like I just keep burning through different games and not getting back to them. I, I've been going through kind of something like that. Like I didn't finish Cyber Shadow, even though I was loving that game. I just didn't go back to it, it's gone. I was enjoying the medium, curious to see where it went. Thought, you know, it's a six-hour game. I can definitely get through this in a weekend. No reason why I don't see it through the credits. Never got back to it. And I just keep getting pulled back by, like, oh, Black Ops Cold War. Ah, Forza Horizon 4. It's like, why am I just playing these same games over and over and over again? I just can't get back to these other games that I'm starting up, and then, you know, whatever. But what you're talking about is a little different. I've I've been through that as well. Um, But, you know, this is just a normal part of gaming. I mean this is how any this is how any hobby works, right? You know, there's there are these spells of time where you're super invested in the things you love and you just you have one of those like moments where it's like, man, the past month I've just been playing game after game and every game I play is just so good and I'm really enjoying the hell out of it, and then I, I finish this game and then I'll go on to the next game and I'm at work and all I can think about is getting home and getting back to this game I'm playing. And those are really fun moods to be in, and you gotta enjoy them while they last, because there is always the inevitable other mood, which is like Man, nothing is sticking right now. I go home, I pop in, like I download a new game, I try it out, it doesn't speak to me, I move on to something else, then I kind of stop playing games early for the night because I'm not really feeling it, and then I try this game, and I'm not really feeling it, and you get kind of in these funks. Honestly, the best thing I could recommend when when you have a moment like this is try to lean into another hobby. I was actually thinking about this earlier today for myself as well, which is like, you know, how in my in my young adult life that I'm in here, I've kind of developed like, really sh- a really strong set of hobbies and I'll just kind of like shift through them like I'll go through a couple weeks where I'm like man I love theme parks so much I'm gonna go to Epcot this Saturday and then Thursday after work I'm actually just gonna bring a change of clothes and head over to Magic Kingdom and go there for a few hours and then you know when I'm on my break at lunch I'm gonna watch all these like history videos about like theme theme park history and like the this abandoned project that Disney was working on in the 80s that I didn't know about and I'll just like be really into my love of theme parks like oh, I'm gonna fall asleep with like a uh, just some fucking theme park background music to like to like fall asleep to like, i'm gonna do that tonight and i'm just like really into that and then a few weeks later i'll be playing a video game I'm like god damn halo 3 is good and i'll be like i love video games video games video games video games and i'll be like oh, i just want to on my lunch breaks watch videos about call of duty zombies and then go home and play forza and in halo and then uh try this new game and I just video games video games video games and then a couple weeks later i'll be like ah you know what I'm just feeling, for some stupid reason, something about cars. Like, oh man, I love my car. What if I uh, were to do some tuner mods? What kind of tuner mods can you do with the Honda CRZ? Oh look, here's a YouTube series all about this guy who, uh, look at these uh, body part body kits he bought for his Honda, and oh, you could do this to make, you know, the air intake bigger and, and get some more horsepower, and oh, look at this, I'm all obsessed with my car, cars, 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 I'm going to go play Forza Horizon, I'm going to listen to this car podcast on my drive home today, and and it just like kind of shifts and like these couple of weeks of this, couple of weeks of that. And I think, you know, it used to frustrate me that I was that way because I'm like, I want to stay focused on one thing because you know, like if I ever wanted to, I don't know, what if I wanted to make a career out of my love of video games and become a game developer or make a career out of my love of theme parks and try to work in theme, in the theme park industry or something like that. It's like it's so hard to do something like that when you're constantly shifting between all these hobbies you have. But the older I've gotten, the more I've realized what a blessing it is to be in that position because You really need that in order to kind of keep things fresh. It's really nice to be like, I love this thing. I'm obsessed with this thing. I want to really lean into this thing I love and enjoy it and then be like, you know what? Now it's time to take a step back, go enjoy something else. And that way, being apart from that other thing will make me appreciate it and enjoy it all that much more when I'm in the mood to come back to it and really invest fully in it again. And so I I, in traditional Xbox on fashion it's a really roundabout way of saying, I think if you're in this kind of situation, maybe what you should do is. Consider one of the other hobbies or interests you have and try to lean really hard into that and see if, you know, taking a break from video games, stepping back it just kind of helps you to enjoy something else for a while. And then when the feeling strikes you again, go back to video games and see if maybe one of those 16 games that you've been trying suddenly sticks and makes you want to stick around and finish it and play more of it. So you, you, you never know. I think I think really it's just, you know, they, they say variety is the spice of life. I think it can be just that simple that sometimes it's just fun to, Kind of take a break, and and that doesn't mean like you can't turn on your Xbox for two weeks or something like that. But you know, like you know, if you want to play a couple matches of Halo, go ahead and do that. But maybe you have a really big, uh, maybe you're really into the saxophone or something, and and you're like, you know what, I'm gonna spend this week listening to a lot of jazz in my free time and practicing the sax a lot, and and just kind of enjoying that other thing I love a lot outside of Xbox. And I don't know, just maybe try to lean into a different hobby or interest of yours, whatever it may be. That's that's my recommendation to you, although pretty I think it may be a pretty obvious one you've probably thought of that already but listen I'm not here for uh, I'm not here for great advice I'm here to uh, just shit talk you all for leave being kind enough to leave comments and speaking of comments that's gonna do it for our comments this week. like I said we didn't have many comments so I still managed to drag it out to a fucking hour of the show because that's just what we do. now remember for next week, you guys are sitting there, you're listening to me, you're, I'm, I'm talking to Joe, I'm shitting on Wes who didn't do anything wrong, I'm I'm praising Count Scatula maybe a little bit too much, it might seem a little creepy how how nice I'm being to him, and you're thinking, man, I'd sure like to have my uh, comment read on the air, well, you know what I would encourage you to do? Don't be shy. Reply. Now let's jump into what I've been playing, but before I can tell you all about what I've been playing, I gotta tell you about what I've been, damn you're good at guessing, eating. Yeah, so, this week, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie, the scale... The scale is a lie. The the little scale I've been using to weigh myself as I've been dieting lately has started to go out of whack. And now, in all fairness, it's a cheap like $5 fucking scale. What did you expect? But it's starting to lie. It's starting to just jump all over the place. Like the other day, it's like, oh, you lost 10 pounds last night. I'm like, that's not possible. And then like I'll, I'll like take a shower, get ready for work, and be like, eh, fuck it. Let's weigh myself one more time before I leave for work and just see what it says now. And it's like, you gained 10 pounds since you took a shower and got dressed for work. I'm like that's not a, that that's not possible so my scale's going nuts so all of a sudden i haven't been able to really track my dieting process progress rather because i just don't trust the scale i'm using so I, I use that as an excuse to get a little dirty to do something a little wrong and i had a little bit of chocolate this week and guys i think it's starting to get to me i may be gaining some of the weight back i don't think i'm gaining the weight back i think what i'm doing is i'm stagnating i i've lost about 10 pounds in the past month or so but I'm not losing more weight I'm just kind of staying stagnant right now and I think it's because guys those bunch of crunch will get you don't go to the candy aisle when you're at target and be like oh I can put a little bit of bunch of crunch in my popcorn don't do it because it's because the scale don't tell lies you know if it tells if it tells you you gained 10 pounds in the 30 minutes since you took a shower then it's, it's not lying you're just having a hard time coming to grips with what what's going on here so a little bit different of a what i've been eating but i gotta tell you guys this the scale don't lail, which is uh celtic for lie and it rhymes so it makes sense all right what i've been playing all right so we we got into this a little bit i've been playing outriders so I'm really enjoying that i've been playing a little bit of halo 3 uh have not been playing call of duty so um Hey, that's pretty cool. That's progress. Playing lots of Forza Horizon 4, no surprise there. I'm playing a little bit of MLB The Show 21 because I got into the Xbox Insider preview of that. Pretty damn cool. It's really weird and surreal playing MLB The Show on an Xbox, but I'm really digging it. And, um,. Been watching a little bit of uh, baseball this season. Uh, this week, rather. Uh, spring training started. I'm a really big fan of spring training. I, apparently, a lot of people aren't, which is something I learned this week. But I love spring training. I think it's really fun. It's like a vacation version of baseball. But So, watching a little bit of that. And playing some Dirt 5, actually. I downloaded that. Came out on Game Pass. Dirt 5 is not what I expected. I didn't realize it was so, like, arcade For some reason, I thought it was, like, about as legit as Forza Horizon. I didn't realize it was more, like, Arcadey and fun, but uh Dirt Five is pretty good. Not so much the campaign stuff. I I found myself kind of getting bored with that, but the user created content, dude, I love just driving a Mitsubishi Evo ninth generation and just driving the fuck out of that on some like user created obstacle course. It's wacky and fun, and that game's that game's a good time. So I I definitely recommend checking out Dirt Five, which is on Game Pass now. But that's mostly what I've been playing. Aside from that, I've been doing some Halo Three multiplayer a little bit every night enjoying the hell out of that. And and I just want to say, you know, there I was last night, I'm checking my phone and Master Chief collections on the background, and it's just on the main menu and the main menu starts playing the 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 song, the track Never Forget, you know, titled Never Forget, which is, you know, famously from the video game Halo 3. And that that song starts playing and I literally just started like getting like my heart started swelling and I got emotional just thinking about it. And I was like, fuck me. This is right before I was about to go to bed last night too. So I turn off my Xbox. I'm like, no, we're not doing this right now. I gotta I gotta work in the morning. <laughs> so I, I like I, I lay down in bed. I'm just like, all right, time for bed. I'm sitting there, I'm thinking. And then I just le- I, I reach over, I grab my phone, I'm like, fuck. I go to Spotify, open it up, search up Halo 3. All right, original score composed by Marty O'Donnell. Okay, there it is. Boom. I hit never forget. And I just close my eyes and I listen to it for like two minutes. And, like, anyone who knows this song knows this fucking song, right? Like, and if you don't know the title of it, but you, you're familiar with Halo and you hear this song, you'll be like, oh, fuck, it's that song. Oh, my. Dude, I got to be honest. Again, just like how I said, like, no exaggeration. Nokia Lumia 1520, best phone ever made. Same amount of sincerity here. Never forget from the, from, the, from the game Halo 3, composed and directed by Marty O'Donnell, the song, not the game is the most emotional and beautiful song ever written in the history of the video game industry. No video game ever has had a song more emotionally impactful and beautiful as the the track, Never Forget, from Halo 3. That song, like, I can literally just think about that song and just, like, get a little emotional. It is such a beautiful, beautiful composition. The way the fucking strings build up, And then when that piano, oh, that fucking piano comes in, that little melody that's just like, it's so simple and it's so, it's just so simplistic in the most beautiful way. And it's just, God damn it. How the hell is Halo 3 not your favorite Halo game? What the fuck, Wes? I will, I will personally find where you live and slash your fucking tires if you don't comment right now and tell me Halo 3 is the best. Are you fucking kidding me? You played Halo 3. Which means you were probably exposed to the song Never Forget. And you didn't just go, fuck me. This is the pinnacle of video games. Nothing will ever be this good. I don't give a shit what happens in God of War 2018. I don't give a shit what IGN said was the best game ever made. This is the game. It's the Halo 3. It's the time where it's the third Halo. It's so goddamn good. But anyway, I, I strongly implore you. You don't even have to play Halo 3 to love this game. Just listen. Just go on Spotify or YouTube. And listen to the song "Never Forget" from the game Halo Three. You you cannot listen to it with your eyes open. You got to close your eyes and just enjoy it. It's it's a short track too. It's only like two and a half minutes. But goddamn, is that just the greatest composition in the history? I'll go even a step further. That is not only the b- most beautiful composition in the history of video games, but I would just say, like in in terms of like visual entertainment, like I will put that above any any. Any composition I've ever heard in any movie or any video game or anything like that. Just top-tier, god-tier, untouchable. No one could ever even come close to that. That song is a fucking masterpiece. But with that said, guys, I think we should probably talk about some Xbox news. But hey, at least I'm ranting about Xbox-related things, so fuck you. Alright, our first story this week comes from IGN, and it is that Epic Games has officially acquired Tonic Games Group, the development company behind Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout which was recently announced to finally be coming to Xbox. Epic shared the news while also confirming, quote, your gameplay isn't changing and Epic will continue to invest in making the game a great experience for players across the platform, across all platforms. Furthermore, Epic has said that your favorite colorful beans will still stumble through the chaos on PC PlayStation and soon Nintendo switch and Xbox. Media tonic also announced this week with a game with an FAQ that is set to answer some of the biggest questions that, people may have surrounding the future of the game alongside revealing that fall guys the team that behind fall guys has already grown from 35 to 150 employees mediatonic promised that quote your gameplay isn't changing and that the acquisition will help them bring in a ton of of features already seen in Fortnite and rocket league other games owned by epic games look at epic games they're just buying all the big platform games the games that are free to play little services although i think Both Fall Guys and Rocket League cost money, so I'm already wrong there. right, features that they're promising include things like account systems, cross-play squads versus squad modes, and more. While Mediatonic mentioned that Fall Guys will continue to remain on Steam, it had nothing more to announce regarding the possible move to a free-to-play model. So it's probably still a game that costs money, although I think Rocket League is now a free-to-play game, so maybe it will become a free-to-play game. Anyway, as to why Media Tonic chose Epic, the developers said that they have a, quote, mutual, f- mutual friends for a while, or have been mutual friends for a while, and that the team has, quote, a lot in common to share, uh, and they share a lot of the same goals, with the, quote, continuing and wrapping up with. It's no secret that Epic is in- invested in building uh, Metaverse, and Tonic Games shares this goal. As Epic works to build the build this virtual future. We need great creative talents who knows how to build powerful games, content experiences, Epic Games CEO Tim Sweeney said. So I want to start off by saying, Epic Games is clearly in this position now or trying to position themselves to be this Steam facsimile kind of thing where think about Valve. It's like they were making games, you know, they were out there making their Half-Lifes and Counter-Strikes and things like that and Dota's. And then at some point they're just like, let's create this service and just have our games be this like never ending platform service and then just make this service where we sell games and it's like basically xbox live for pc and people will just forever buy games here and play here and we'll make money off that and now epic games is kind of becoming a similar thing they have the epic Games store which is kind of their equivalency of steam but they're also this developer that's like let's uh let's stop making a bunch of new games and just you know we'll make a game here or there but let's just kind of a be this these games as service kind of thing, or like these games are just kind of indefinitely supported and played, which is like, you got Fortnite, you got Rocket League, you got Fall Guys, and they're just these games that people just keep coming back to and playing, but, you know, Epic's not necessarily going out there to develop new games left and right. They're no no Sony or Microsoft trying to put out new content all the time to keep people satiated. So there is kind of like this analog, but it's not a perfect one-to-one because Epic Games is clearly doing something different where there is this kind of, as the article even points out, kind of metaverse thing where it's like the, the kinds of games they're investing in and taking part in are all of a very similar caliber. You think of a game like Fortnite. It's this games as a service game. People just play it to hang out with their friends and they just goof around in Sometimes they play Battle Royale and sometimes they're just buying skins and dancing around and goofing around. But it's like Fortnite is the platform. It's, it's, it's not like, oh, Xbox is the platform and we play games. It's like, no, Fortnite is the platform and we just hang out in Fortnite. And that's kind of what their specialty is is these games like that like Rocket League and Fall Guys and I think this means Fall Guys will eventually become a free-to-play game I do believe Rocket League is a free-to-play game that was in the news just a few months ago that they were switching to a free-to-play model and so it kind of makes sense it's like open you know make that barrier to entry super low so everyone can come in and join and then make your money off the battle passes and the cosmetics and things like that and just make the game a platform a social space where people can hang out and, and do their thing and so I think Fall Guys really fits in with this this catalog, this this ecosystem of, of Fortnites and Rocket Leagues and things like that. So I mean, I think everyone kind of looked at Fall Guys as a potential, like, is this the next Fall? Is this the next Rocket League? Is this the next Fortnite? So it's only fitting that this becomes a part of the fold. So, you know, congrats to Mediatonic. Those people just became super fucking rich. And congrats to Epic Games for continuing to uh, help us in our never-ending quest to consolidate the games industry by having a few key players buy up all the studios. So that's what's happening there. Our next story comes from Windows Central which reads that Electronic Arts Chief Studio Officer Laurel Laurel Meal said that due to a variety of factors, such as the pandemic affecting development and the finalized acquisition of Codemasters, the decision was made to push the next Need for Speed game back to 2022, while developer Criterion Games is now supporting game development of the next Battlefield. Quote, Battlefield is shaping up great, and the team has been working incredibly hard. They pushed hard last year, and yes, they've been working from home. And it's hard, it's hard to make games from home, and the EA DICE team has is fatigued a bit. Per EA's Quarter 3 2021 Financial results. The next Battlefield game is on schedule to release at some point in holiday 2021, telling investors that the team was ahead of their internal milestones. And I assume ahead of internal milestones means behind what things were pre-pandemic, but ahead of where they thought things would be in a COVID development, work from home kind of world. So keep that in mind. But anyway, this is a uh, this is an interesting one because you can't have one without the other. One piece of this story without the other, which is that. The reason why Criterion is able to, you know, help them with this is not only because, you know, Battlefield is a more important franchise that makes more money than Need for Speed, but also because now with the acquisition of Codemasters with brands like Dirt and such becoming EA brands, this now allows for Codemasters to keep doing what they're doing and keep putting out the games they're putting out and it will kind of satiate and serve that car game market that EA needs to play in while also freeing up some talent in Criterion to come and help you know, make Battlefield. And so it's still kind of them getting, having their cake and eating it too, in a way. So, so that's the first thing here. But I also think that this is interesting because it's like, well, well, why, why not put criteria on the support or why not put Codemasters on support? You just got those guys. Why not be like, okay, welcome to the team. First, first project actually helped with Battlefield six. And then, We'll let you guys kind of figure out where you fit into the role rather than, you know, what they did, which was take Criterion and be like, hey, you guys have been here for a while. You know, the run of things, you know, we're pulling you off your project and we're making you do this. The new guys, leave them alone. They're new. They're just getting acclimated. So I, I don't disagree with that decision. But at the same time, it's interesting to see who they picked and why. And I would assume it's probably just because Criterion, you know, re- remember, EA makes all of their teams work in these in the uh, what's it called? Not Snowdrop. That's Ubisoft Frostbite. EA makes everyone work in the Frostbite engine, which is that Dice engine they made for Battlefield. So you know it's possible for them to be like, you know, Code Masters are new; they're they're getting acclimated to. We're still in the you know the merging process, and 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 these guys have a lot of work to do to get acclimated to the EA family and the brand. But you know, you guys at Criterion, you've you have experience working in Frostbite, making games in Frostbite, so it'll be easier for you guys to jump in and pitch in with the Battlefield work than the new guys. But It also is interesting to see that it's like all of a sudden, you know, the weight is being put on Codemasters to carry all the racing franchise and in development kind of work on whatever it is they're going to be working on with EA, which I assume is probably the same franchise as Dirt and such that they've been working on, but also criterion it's like okay well we have other racing game developers so you guys can do this in the meantime but you know once this is over once battlefield's good once we go back to work from in a normal way after the pandemic and everything it is curious to know like what what is the plan here that we just have codemasters and need and, and uh and criterion just kind of both working on different ranch racing franchises obviously you know very different racing franchises but nonetheless is is, is the point here at some point to kind of merge all these things together or to have multiple different racing franchises which is I assume what they want they probably want to do like need for speed and burnout and dirt and a couple different franchises so they can be like here's your serious racing sim here's your arcade street racing sim here's your off-road rally racing game here's your you know crash simulator racing game like what what do you want and to kind of give people the slew because there is a lot of money to be made in the racing game genre it is a market that is you know I feel the games industry doesn't Acknowledge too much because it's not necessarily the biggest gamer genre but it is a very lucrative and popular genre nonetheless so it it, it, curious to see how this uh how this goes once you know things kind of return to normalcy Codemasters gets acclimated to being part of the EA family and Criterion is able to get back to Need for Speed and their projects to see kind of how things play out with all these, all this racing game talent now under one umbrella, which is EA. Next up, from Bloomberg, by way of Windows Central, a new action-adventure IP from Motive Studios has been canceled by EA, speaking of EA. That's according to a report from Bloomberg, which explains that the new IP was codenamed Gaia and was an action-adventure game similar to Assassin's Creed. Gaia was first developed under the leadership of Ubisoft veteran Jade Raymond. After Raymond left EA, the project's leadership fluctuated and clashed while the game suffered setback setbacks from at least one reboot especially as motive studio worked on other projects such as assisting with development of star wars battlefront 2 while a tiny glimpse of a prototype for the game was seen during last year's ea play live 2020 presentation the game has now been canceled motive is reportedly not in any danger due to the project's cancellation however with the team's recent game star wars squadron they've seen critical and commercial success so what's interesting about this one is First of all, that EA now has to preface whenever they cancel a project, no, this team is not being shut down because that was for a long time kind of the the story with EA. is like, uh-oh, your project's not doing well. You guys are all going to lose your jobs and get shut down. So y- yes, I think I think they have gotten themselves into a position where they have the specific studios they need. Unless someone royally fucks up, I don't really think there's much a need to chop anyone off the block. Although I will say... anyone deserves to get shut down at this point not deserves to get shut down but if anyone's really at risk for getting shut down or is doing anything that would kind of warrant it by EA standards I would think at this point it's Bioware just with their inability to put out a fucking game looking at you Dragon Age um, but just keep fucking up with the likes of Assassin's or Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem and things like that but I think EA largely takes the blame for things like Anthem fucking up with the the way they forced that project and, and the management onto that team but anyway all sides aside yeah with this one i don't think there's as much of a story i think this is you know this this was someone's baby the person who was shepherding the thing left and the game fell apart and the team had to work on this star wars thing and then you know ea wanted to use the star wars license and the emphasis became let's get all of our teams to work on star wars games so we can put out star wars content before this licensing agreement with disney ends i I think it just became this thing of why are we working on this project that the person who spearheaded it isn't here it's got trouble development and we have this massively lucrative property for a limited time that we can work with that we need to get more value out of you know so i'm sure this has everything to do with star wars and with you know that project just not coming together but it is an interesting thing to note that they were teasing it in little ways just as early as last year and they're now canceling it you would think this decision would have been able to be made a year or more ago but they're just now getting around to kind of acknowledging what's happened here, and what's really disappointing here is, you know, now with this being the case, we don't know what Motive Studio is working on. Presum- presumably, they're just working on another Star Wars project now because their original IP fell through, but their Star Wars game was popular, and now it's like, ah, fuck, you guys are gonna be put on uh, a, <laughs> you guys are gonna be put on Star Wars duty because you did the campaign for Battlefront Two, you did this uh, squadron spinoff game, now you're just the Star Wars people basically, but everyone's kind of the Star Wars people at EA when you look at, you know, respawn and all these guys there. So there's, I don't know. I just hope this is one of those things where EA isn't forcing their teams to all just work on Star Wars and shit instead of letting them do their own projects, because that's what made Anthem fail. And that's what made mass in fact Andromeda fail. And that's what is reportedly what's delayed dragon age so much. It's just this constant, like EA's interference. It's like, let the people make their game, do what they want to do. And then you know, the chance of them making a, a good game is a lot more dependent on you giving them the freedom to make what they want to make than you forcing them to make a shared world, world shooter, a Star Wars game, a this, a that, you know. Uh, but it is it is interesting to see just how public all these EA studios, you know, canceled projects. In trouble projects are. You know, we know about the trouble with the development of Dragon Age 4, now with Motive Studios game, you know, Project Ragtag on the Star Wars front, Star Wars 1313, which admittedly was canceled because of Disney, but all these games that just keep getting canceled it left and right because, you know, EA didn't like it or it wasn't gelling or wasn't coming together. It, it hit this milestone. Things just weren't working. It was a mess. It was never off the ground or anything like that. It's like, what is happening at EA? What is the management where is where have things gotten out of whack that these stories just keep getting out that this got canceled that got canceled this didn't work that didn't work but you know other studios don't have this as much i assume in game development this is a pretty common story you know we worked on this thing for about two years it wasn't working out we canceled it blah blah blah, moved on to this project or this turned into this so i don't think it's a uniquely ea owned studio problem to have but it seems like a commonly reported thing happening with ea studios so i i wonder what it is that's does jason schreier just have a boner for like calling out ea or is is ea managed in a way that these studios that their their fragile projects are just so publicly known about that that it makes its way to games media and then to the public to know that these games are constantly being evaluated and then torn down and then ripped apart and canceled and rebooted and all this shit because we see this story way too much with EA and it's always across a variety of developers. So be interested to see what that's about, but nonetheless now motive studio, no clue what they're working on. Presumably if you know, if I were betting, man, it's either a sequel to star Wars squadrons or a, a new star Wars game altogether. Probably a first person battle battlefront front like experience, but more single player driven. It seems like that's EA's MO now is to lean into single player content because people are liking it and it's doing well and they'll probably focus more and more on the service stuff being you know your maddens and fifas and things like that and then allow their more gamer type games to just be you know more single player focused you know leave the stuff that was already multiplayer focused alone like battlefield and for the other stuff let people kind of make what they want to make so we can actually get games out the door instead of just bunches and bunches of canceled stories and Games that are announced but never actually see the light of day. I'm looking at You Skate 4. Probably a game that was announced way too goddamn prematurely. But anyway, that's it for EA. We will now move out of EA and talk about something else. Next up from Windows Central. While we've known for years now that Cold Iron Studios is working on an untitled game in the Alien franchise, further details have not been known. But today, Cold Iron Studios revealed that Aliens Fire Team, a third-person co-op shooter, created in collaboration with 20th Century Fox. Or 20th Century Studios, rather. Aliens Fire Team. The game is named, is set 23 years after the events of the original Alien Film trilogy in a world where the outbreaks are no longer completely unknown threats but do remain rare. Players take control of a colonial marine aboard a USS Endeavour, which responds to a distress signal from the outer colony. Players can choose from five different classes for their Marine while fighting in the three-man squad or in co-op with AI squad mates. There are four campaigns, each of which is composed of three missions and four campaigns weave in and out of each other. Players will face over 20 different enemy types, including androids and multiple different kinds of iconic alien creatures. The game is scheduled for arrival at some point over the summer, uh, but it is, but although we don't have an announced date, it is known that it's coming to both series X, series S uh and as well as xbox one and pc so there's not really too much to get into with this other than to say you know first of all the trailers out you can go watch it if you'd like but it looks cool i'll say that it looks cool i'm not a huge fan of the aliens alien franchise i don't know too much about it so i'm not gonna you know dig into that part but i will say the the game looks decent looks good and he, here's the thing if Back for Blood wasn't happening this year, so between Warhammer Dark and Back for Blood, it's like this this franchise is already or this series, this genre is already making a comeback, and it's faster and harder than I think we expected. So, you know, you may remember this genre, the squad-based, mission-based campaign thing. Basically, I call it a Left for Dead game, this first-person shooter zombie game type thing. And you know, we've seen it in games like World War Z in recent history, but for the most part, this is a very dead genre that. There was never too much of, and we haven't seen in a while, but all of a sudden, you know, the guys who made the original Left 4 Dead, Turtle Rock Studios, are coming back this summer with Back for Blood, which is the big one that everyone's excited about, that I know I'm excited about, and then you've got Warhammer 40k Dark Tide coming out this year, which is like a sci-fi Left 4 Dead type shooter, and now you got this Aliens game, Aliens Fireteam, and it's just like, guys, now we've gone from like this genre is dead to like this genre is overcrowded. It's like that year where guitar hero and rock band both decide to come back in the same year. And it's like, okay guys, this is not how you come back is you just got like all of it all at once. It's like, we got to ease back into this shit. So just the simple math tells us that one of these is going to have to fail. You know, not all of them can be massive hits. So between aliens back for blood and Warhammer, I'm convinced that one of these has got to fail. And, you know, as my brother put it, you know, Bad for Blood's going to succeed on the back of being basically Left 4 Dead 3. So that one's kind of a shoe in to be at least the most successful of the three. Warhammer is at least going to succeed in the sense that, one, it's a Game Pass game, so it's going to have that. And two, um, it has the kind of association of being like a good Xbox Series X game to play. So it's going to have you know between that and game pass enough going for it that it's going to have it's player base whether it's massive or or just decent enough but it should be fine with that but then it leaves aliens fire team which you know we can only assume is a a full priced released game you know it's a it's a licensed game so there's no way there's going to be some game pass title and it's not you know the third left for dead game the this the revival of left for dead so that leaves this one to be the most vulnerable for failure by that logic. And I think my brother's right in saying that, even with the licensing associated. Because remember, these these horror licenses don't do for gaming what, like, Spider-Man does, you know? Or, like, fucking, I don't know, Star Wars does for gaming, you know? Like, we saw that Predator game, Predator Hunting Ground or whatever, kind of flop recently. And Bluebird Team had that Blair Witch game, which didn't do all that great, you know, not too long ago. So I think it's pretty safe to say that Aliens isn't a shoe-in for success just because it's the Aliens franchise and IP. I think there's a lot of opportunity or a lot of potential for this game to just not pan out, regardless of whether it's good or not. So uh, we, we got to keep a close eye on this now, this, this genre that's now gone from completely dormant to oversaturated in a matter of months. And, you know, I, I, I'm curious to give it a try. I don't think I'm going to, though, just for the simple fact that there are other, there are two other games in the genre I'm already looking forward to this summer, you know, there's no way I'm not playing, playing back for blood, and then Warhammer I'm going to have because of Game Pass, so again, it's just because of time and money, it's like, how the hell am I going to do all three, this is already the one that gets left out by that simple logic, so take a look at the trailer, you know, let me know what you think about it, if you think, you know, this has more potential than I'm giving it credit for, or if it looks really good, but I think regardless this is going to be a forgotten game which is a shame to say but I just I think it's already pretty much like just done for. Next up gamesindustry.biz reports that Square Enix has signed a deal with Forever Entertainment to remake some of its catalog titles. The studio today confirmed in a po- The studio confirmed details of a Polish language news report to gamesindustry.biz saying, "Quote, the purpose of this agreement is to create re- and release multiple games remakes uh Of Square Enix Japanese IP... Sorry if it translates a little weird, it's, you know. Each remake will attempt to preserve the gameplay of the original title, but with the graphical overhaul. Under the terms of the agreement, Forever Entertainment will receive more than 50% of the revenue from each game sold across all platforms. Forever Entertainment is in somewhat familiar territory with the deal. It created last year's Panzer Dragoon remake for Sega, and it has previously partnered with Square Enix to produce 2018's Fear Effect Sedna. So, this is an interesting one for the simple fact that we've seen... We've seen... Square Enix do that increasingly like Japanese type thing where it's like, oh, let's uh, let's do a remake, but let's not just do a remake. Let's do like a a massive overhaul, reimagining. You know, games like Final Fantasy VII remake, where it's like you couldn't have just like redid the graphics and and modernized it. You had to just go ahead and build a brand new game from the ground up, right? And I think this offers them the opportunity to kind of continue to do that and and find success with some of the games like how capcom has with resident evil and stuff without really going all out total overboard from the ground up remake as is the case with like resident evil 2 remake or final fantasy 7 remake more more aptly but this way they're able to i think the plan is to remake some older games that are maybe not final fantasy 7 tier of like massive quality you know Final Fantasy 7 is a game you can remake from the ground up because it's such a legendary game that I think the market will allow for it but then you think of something like eh, Final Fantasy 8 you know a Final Fantasy game that's well liked it would do well with a remake but it's not Final Fantasy 7 tier and that way you can give it kind of a little more of a of a um not half-assed but modest remake if you will and I think that's the point of this deal is to do that but uh, the the important thing here is Forever Entertainment here gets to keep 50% of the revenue earned from this. So it, it, if anything, you know, this for Square Enix, this might be more of an opportunity to strengthen brands rather than to, you know, how do I put this? Like with this deal, you know, if you're only getting 50% of the revenue, it's not really, you know, maybe it's just a a, a way to make a quick buck because that that, uh, that way you don't have to, you know, do all the development costs and everything. But maybe this is more so a way of them saying, what is an affordable way that we can get someone to remake some older titles to kind of get these franchises and these IP kind of out there in the in the public's mind again. So that we can revisit them, you know, and, and make money off of new entries rather. And So that's a possibility as well. You know, that could be the approach here as well. But nonetheless, eh, you know, Square Enix going in for more of that remake action. And this way, it frees up their talent a little more to work on these 8,000 year development cycles they've got going on basically for this Final Fantasy remake. Uh, who knows, maybe they'll do a remake of uh, Kingdom Hearts if if we're all lucky. The pandemic will have wipe this all out by then. And then finally, a wrap-up story here is that from Xbox Wire, we got some new games coming to Game Pass in the coming weeks, uh, coming days rather. So, you know, this week, Madden NFL 21 came to console via Game Pass, via uh, EA Play, which is a massive deal. You think about that, it's like, now we're getting into that territory where it's like we're really appealing to the even the most casual gamers. Like, listen, Madden is on Game Pass. You really want to spend 60, 70 bucks on Madden, or you just want to subscribe for 10 bucks a month and 15 bucks a month, whatever, and you know, get Madden for free included in that. So, you know, we also got Football Manager coming March 4th to PC. Football manager 2021 Xbox Edition coming to console March 4th. NBA 2K21 coming to Cloud and Console March 4th. Later in March, we're getting Star Wars Squadrons, which we were just talking about. NHL 21 coming to EA Play, and then therefore Game Pass in April. So now Game Pass is starting to become this thing of, you know, thing especially thanks to this EA play inclusion of, you know, even if you're the casual guy that just plays like Madden in the occasional something else on your Xbox. You really don't want to have, you know, you can get all your football managers and Maddens and sports games. Maybe you're into also NBA and NHL. You can get all of it in one place from one service. You don't have to buy these games 60, 70 bucks a pop. You can just subscribe. Now we're getting into that kind of territory of like, you know, it was it was already at the point with Game Pass where it was like, you're stupid if you don't buy this. But now it's getting to the point where it's even like, you're stupid if you don't buy this, even for like the person who only buys a small handful of games on a console, like a couple sports games and a Call of Duty. So we're approaching that point now. Although it is imp- important to note, for those fans, those more casual sports fans, it's probably generally more pertinent to them that they buy those games when they're new to kind of coincide with the new sports season. So that could, you know, that is something to consider. But included with Game Pass, free is free. So that's a huge boon. And then, leaving Game Pass on March 15th, we got a couple games. We got Alvastia Chronicles leaving, Astralogaster, Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, Kona, and The Witcher 3 Wild Hunt, all leaving on March 15th. Guys, that's going to do it for all of our news. Now, real quick, let's jump into some important enough news stories. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant our own discussion. First one, we got, we'll just do these kind of rapid fire. Earlier this week, a few seconds of Elden Ring's unreleased trailer leaked online to show a couple seconds of someone riding a horse. So apparently, game games media went nuts over this and ran the story all over the internet. So I promise, you know, traditional games media not dying out, it's still very strong. Apparently, Windows Central reports that that sources have revealed that Microsoft's streaming service, Project X Cloud, as everyone calls it, will be getting 1080p streaming support sometime much sooner than anyone expected. With internal development on the feature being rather rather far along. Next, a secret audio recording that briefly continues the story of Halo Five has been discovered hidden in a 343 Industries blog post update. The audio posted on Reddit features a conversation between an unknown voice, Master Chief, and Catherine Halsey, creator of the Spartan 2 Super Soldier Project. Halsey notes that, quote, Right now, we are in survival mode again. Cortana's message has spread across the galaxy. Most sentient AI are siding with her. So, you know, quoting, uh, hinting that our big enemy here is Cortana, not, not the Banish. So, exciting. Next, Doom 3 is being ported to PlayStation VR with Doom v- Doom 3 VR Edition launching for PS4 via backwards compatibility on the PS5 on March 29th. Now, why are we talking about PlayStation news? Well, because Microsoft bought Bethesda. Doom is Bethesda. Obviously that deal isn't fully inked yet, but here's another deal that they had that Sony had with them before Microsoft stepped in. So, interesting to see how just just as, you know, how much in bed Sony was getting with Bethesda before this happened, but and then our, a couple more real quick. we got Destiny 2 uh, developer Bungie announced in a blog post that the game's next expansion, The Witch Queen, has been delayed to 2022. It was originally announced to launch in 2021, but Bungie states that the impact of COVID-19 and a desire to more thoroughly flesh out Destiny 2's core system and a need for more development time to push has pushed the studio to move the release date back. Next, THQ and Black Forest Games appear to be testing a Destroy All Humans 2 uh, remake, or teasing rather, in the latest trailer for the 2020 game Destroy All Humans, uh, a new trailer apparently shows some kind of tease. Though, when asked about the tease and if it's really a new remake of the sequel or if it's just a new sequel altogether, um, senior producer Martin Krusch uh, said that we would have to wait to learn more. And finally, Microsoft has announced that Samsung QLED has become the official TV partner of the Xbox Series X, which means, thank God, I own a Samsung QLED. Guys, that's going to do it for all of our news for this week. Now, the show, despite having fewer comments and a decent run of news, uh, is, is running about as long as it always does, because fuck me, I can't keep the show's pacing and uh, time under control. So with that said, we're going to skip the new game releases of the week. All you really need to know is there's 16 new games. You can check it out on Xbox Wire, but none of them are really all that groundbreaking. But as a reminder, we do have games with gold for the month of March. Your games are Warface Breakout, which is available for the entire month. You got Vicious Attack Llama Apocalypse, available from March 16th to April 15th. You got Metal Slug 3, available until March 15th. And finally, you got Port Royale 3, available from March 16th to the 31st. Guys, that is going to do it for our Xbox On episode this week. Now, Count Scott Uloh is going to play us out with a new track that he he sent. he kindly sent me over some new music for us to listen to. And so let's play out the show with a new track this week count Skylar, take it away but before you do i want to remind the audience of something really important please rate the show on itunes leave five stars because when you leave five stars it enables you to do something that you may not have done before what is it that that you may be asking well rating a show five stars on itunes when you're in, when you're sleeping when you're deep in that REM sleep when your eyes are shut and your brain is highly active and, and, and the stars are flickering and, and things are going on and, and, and a different life is being lived throughout this dream these five stars what they do is they serve as fuel they serve as energy they serve as power the power to uh, power your dreams
1: open your eyes i got to night tonight, I use this word tonight. Don't rise. open your eyes say what's on your